I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Happy Monday, everybody. Hope your weekend was well. Hope it was focused on rest and self-care. Ha! Ah, mine was. <laughs> Can't believe the week is starting already, but that's okay. We've got a great show planned for you. We're going to be talking about why you don't need to lose the weight. You need to lose the shame. That's right. So much body shame and fat phobia, fat phobia going around. Lots of memes, conversations, articles. Really kind of disappointed. I'm seeing all these articles that are supposed to be about health, but they're not. If you're leaving out the impact of mental health, which is what you're doing when you uh, shame all kinds of bodies and only focus on aesthetics, how a body looks, not only, not, not only are we not talking about physical health, we're absolutely not talk about mental health and that needs to be factored in. So we'll be talking about that as well as discussing is your partner toxic? Yep. Important stuff to talk about because even though we are in lockdown or y'all better be locking down, got to still think about the relational health of the relationships we're in question of the night. As always, it's up on our love line IG page on the story. So weigh in on that. Let's get into some stuff. Lots going on. It's never dull. Important news in terms of uh, mental health, body autonomy, and female reproductive rights, or we should just say people that are able to birth and get pregnant, the abortion pill is now available by mail. Love this. On Monday, a federal judge, this came out of Maryland, granted an injunction against a rule that would have required people seeking the abortion pill uh, during the pandemic to pick it up at a hospital, clinic, or medical office. Now, not only is it not safe to enter those spaces, not everyone has access to those spaces due to anti-abortion people trying to take away reproductive rights. They A lot of those clinics have been shut down and not everyone lives within a reasonable transportive you know, uh, place from it in terms of bus, Uber, driving, not everyone can afford it. So I love this. So basically it's going to allow healthcare providers throughout the U.S. to mail or otherwise deliver abortion pills to patients while the public health emergency persists. And that's what uh, pregnancy can be for a lot of people, a you know, a health uh, emergency. Not everyone is prepared for health reasons, mental or otherwise, to be a parent or to give birth. And the studies show that uh, abortion leads to a lot of positive thoughts and feelings, even up to five plus years afterwards, versus people that are forced to carry a pregnancy to birth, the trauma that can occur from that due to not having control over what's happening to your body and not being ready for parenthood, even when adoption's an option. So uh, we're in a fourth wave of feminism, y'all, and it's all about body autonomy, female rights, but uh, also the rights of anyone who has a uterus and can get pregnant. So I'm glad when healthcare is made available confidentially, anonymously. 
And that's the case right now. You can do confidential anonymous STD and STI testing at home, HIV testing, pregnancy testing, all sorts of things. And I'm here for it. Uh, we don't need to do what we don't need to do. And I'm glad that people are more in control of their health and health care. Uh, also, really upsetting news, you know, and we talked about this on Thursday's show about how places like Orange County here in California, they're not going to mandate masks to be worn while forcing teachers and students to return to school. They're also not going to enforce social distancing. Missouri had students having to sign a death waiver, which is a sign that it's not safe to go back to schools. And, uh, you know, uh, excuse me, teachers are also now talking about the fact that they're ready for this one, putting together their will. That is heartbreaking. Teachers are not feeling safe or ready to go back to school. It is not a safe environment. Traditionally, school can be a very a very accessible place for children to get out of the home, to socialize, to learn, to get fed, et cetera, et cetera. But right now, school is not a safe place, and my heart is hurt. We have the idiot Secretary of Education, DeVos, who is so stupid. Um, my favorite comment was from Ayanna Presley. She was saying that uh, she wouldn't even let Betsy take care of a houseplant. And I, I second that. Whenever she's questioned about the plan and how we're going to protect children, she says, we can't really think that far ahead. What? That is literally your job. You have to be able to answer questions like that. So that's horrifying to me. So we need to keep talking about this and pushing back on it, especially now that the CDC will not be giving out COVID numbers. And a lot of the numbers are now being mandated to be reported to the White House so that our president can really, really, really mess with those numbers and not allow them to be accessed by the general public, thereby allowing his agenda of putting capitalism and consumerism before human lives pushed forward. And that's heartbreaking. Humans and our lives, all lives, animals as well, we should all come before money. But we live in a capitalist culture, which means money and productivity means more. And one death is one death too many, especially when it's someone you know. And we are still in a pandemic, which FYI, I want to remind you all as I'm looking at pictures of you all going to birthday parties, weddings, now is not the time. So please stay home. Please. It impacts all of us. And uh, I'm personally bored and sick and you know, starting to struggle with my own mental health, being forced to self-isolate as California necessarily, though unhappily, had to roll back all the openings that were slowly happening, but that's a direct result of the numbers skyrocketing, and that is a direct result of people not following regulations and recommendations. So I'm still seeing those horrible memes of people attacking each other. Someone was run over by a cart and then pepper sprayed. Someone was stabbed. I'm still seeing employees. God bless them. Thank you for working, even though I know a lot of you don't feel like you have a choice because you need the paycheck and the job and the healthcare, and you're being attacked by obnoxious, privileged uh, white cis hetero people, because that's literally the only identity that I've seen doing this. I'm not seeing black people, people of color. I'm not seeing gay people or trans people. It is literally white cis hetero people. So I think it's really born out of a lot of privilege. I'm not anti anything, but I'm, I'm, I'm anti us ignoring our privilege and really taking responsibility and accountability. So let's hold each other accountable. It's important stuff. All right, coming up next, we're going to be talking about is your partner toxic? <laughs> this is something a lot of people are going to be happy to hear about. Others, not so much. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on radio.com. Welcome back. Later in the show, we'll be doing a little question of the night, so still time to weigh in on that. That's, as always, on our Loveline IG page. Also, hope you're checking out my show, I'm Listening Live. That's every Thursday night, 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. That's on all the radio.com handles. You can also go there to uh, watch all prior episodes. It's uh, health professionals, experts, and celebrities. Talking about the intersections of mental health and COVID. That, again, all the radio.com handles, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, 
I post some of that stuff. And uh, Loveline, you want to check out some past episodes? They are all podcasted at we, uh, excuse me, we are channelq.com and radio.com. So uh, I put my heart and soul into all that. So uh, make use of it. Check in on it. You know, a lot of people reach out and ask me so many different kinds of questions. And I'm often like, ah, if you were listening to my show, you would have heard me talk about that at length. Um, also make sure you're checking out my books. I don't plug them enough. Sex Outside the Lines was my first books. Uh, Rebel Love was my second book. Another resource for you to go more extensively. And also if you're looking to do a little sex relationship coaching or therapy, I'm offering it. I'm doing telemedicine via phone and Skype. So go to my website, drchrisdonahue.com, shoot me an email, and uh, we can set something up. All right. Uh, is your partner toxic? <laughs> Oh my gosh. So remember, I want to give the the um, disclaimer on topics like this. I, I'm not about shaming anyone. I'm not about pathologizing anyone. We are who we are and we are where we are in the world and in our lives. These kinds of segments are about us first assessing ourselves. I don't try to weaponize these topics so that we can go to our partners, our family members, our employers, or whatever it is, our friends, and attack. I do it so we can first assess ourselves. Are you, the person listening, are you a toxic partner? If so, lovingly identify that and say, wow, I don't want to be that. How can I work on being better? Start there always with these topics. Most people immediately use these at or against others in their lives, but it's really about the self-reflection, right? The transformation that you can create because... If you're part of any relationship, it's a system. It's a feedback loop. They are responding to who you are, how you are showing up, and what you're inputting. And so you starting to show up in a healthier way, how you talk, what you say, the perspective you have on things, that inherently changes the relationship and the other person indirectly because now they're relating to someone healthier. So they show up healthier. And if not, it's a better way to assess how maybe unhealthy or toxic they are. So this is about starting with yourself. Then you can lovingly sit down with your partner and say, hey, let me share some things with you that I learned about myself, but also about you and how our relationship functions. Can we work on this? Are you open to working on this? Because again, the health of a relationship is not about whether or not there's conflict. Although some relationships have far too much and it's exhausting, but it's more about how do you manage and handle conflict when it shows up? Because it will. That speaks to the health and the sustainability. And talking about these topics lets you know how workable or willing to work on something your partner is. And that's important. If they're thinking all the time, it's you, it's not me, I have no work to do, that's a red flag and a concern. So let's just start the segment by talking about that. Healthy relationships have partners that are willing to look at their role and their part and talk about how they need to fix things. And I've said this before, I want everyone every few months to sit down and say, how's it feel being in this relationship? Are you happy? Should we continue this forward? Even if you're married, marriage isn't forever. Nothing should be forever if it's not healthy. There's no valor or mental health in staying in something that's not healthy for the kids or because you made a commitment. Sorry, all commitments are renegotiated if they're no longer working for you based on the fact that you're not showing up from your best or your partner. And so I want you to continually sit down and say, how's this been feeling? What do we need to work on? Asking each other, what would you want me to work on? That is a healthy relationship, and that's the sign of health when someone's willing to hear that. So that's the first sign. Are you able to sit down and talk about the work you need to do? Are you able to be told what the work might look like in a loving, respectful way? We need to be. Also, stop with some of these articles. That's part of this. A lot of people read these crappy articles that aren't even written by therapists or experts, and man, they give really bad advice. I'm constantly seeing them and I'm constantly shaking my head and I'm constantly saying, see, that's why we're in the mess we're in. That's why there's so many relationships with issues because we read these articles and they're a mess. They're not critically analyzed. There's no cultural critique and they're not written by an expert who's actually a scholar. You know, like, so check in on all of that. Some of the stuff is a hot mess. 
Um, so that's, that's one of the issues. And we sling around these terms, not knowing what it means, not knowing if it's even something that's workable. Um, narcissism is one of the really popular ones I hear people kind of slinging around. But that ties into the second point, which is there are certain, let me say it like this. If a relationship is physically abusive, you, you leave immediately. Case closed, done. If it's emotionally abusive, you sit down and you talk about what that means and if the partner's willing to work on that. And if not, case closed, it's done, you leave. Also, if someone has an, a, a mental health issue, including an addiction that they're unwilling to work on or get help for, you're allowed to leave. You're allowed to have mental health issues, but you need to be responsible for working on them, entering therapy, knowing what the work looks like, possibly going on medication. And if you're unwilling to do those things, then you're not a safe partner for someone to be in a relationship with. You're not safe to be with yourself. And so those are signs that you're allowed to balance. Outside of that, you stick around and you do the work. Also, communication, like I said earlier, we have to be able to talk about things. If you're in a relationship where you're afraid to, or you're not willing to, or you're not able to, that's not a good sign. Many things are gonna constantly come up. You have to be willing and able to sit down and talk about them. You have to be willing to be sat down and talked to. Again, lovingly and respectfully, but it's important to be able to have someone reflect back what it's like to be in a relationship with you so we can learn and improve things. You can never, you're not allowed off the hook by just saying, you knew who I was when we got into the relationship, or that's just how I am. No, people change and grow. We're allowed to expect that and ask for that. So yes, when you meet someone, you can't, you have to, you have to decide based on who they are, but we're allowed to later in say, hey, these certain traits aren't working for me anymore. Can we work on these things or improve them? That's absolutely important. That's absolutely healthy. So again, we want to be in relationships where people are willing to do the work. That's like the biggest red flag for me is when only one partner is willing to be self-reflective or examine themselves, right? When only one partner is willing to really have those conversations, read books, I mean, that's a, that's a, there are some really great books out there or going to therapy or again, just constantly sit down every few months and talk about how things are going. These are, these are meaningful, important parts. And these are how we show our partner that we're good for the long haul. So sit down and talk about this stuff. Listen to a segment like this together. I love couples that listen to things together, read books together. All right, coming up next, we're going to talk about all these, all this talk about like the quarantine 15 and gaining weight and losing your summer body. It's all body shaming. It's all quite toxic. And we want to get away from it because mental health is about just being comfortable with where you're at. So we're going to talk about not losing the weight, but instead focusing on losing the shame. It's more important. Mental health, y'all. Mental health. All right. And then after that, we'll be sliding into those DMs. Listen to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on radio.com. All right, we're back and we're going to be talking about our bodies. Yep, how we feel about our bodies tied to our sexual health. It's also tied to our mental health and physical health. Everything's connected. And uh, there's way too much talk right now about how we look. Uh, the quarantine 15, summer bodies, all these different things. These aren't real concepts. And often they're just used to shame each other, shame ourselves. I even had to post yet again on my social media that it's okay to use food as a coping mechanism, emotional eating is okay. You're allowed to eat to cope with your emotions. You're allowed to do whatever you need to do as long as it's not bad for you. And even then, you can if you want to. But mental health is about using a variety of things to cope. Why can't you emotionally eat? Oh, well, you'll gain weight. It's okay to gain weight. That is not a reason to not use a coping mechanism. Just like it's okay to use sex as a way to cope or self-soothe. Yeah, that's right. Had a rough day, you can have sex with yourself or your partner. 
You had a rough day. You're allowed to eat some ice cream. You're allowed to eat those donuts. I do it all the time. That's not unhealthy. We don't always have the internal resources to deal with what's going on out in the world. That doesn't mean what we choose to use to help us cope is bad. We cannot learn how to just sit with ourselves and cope with everything. The world presents things like COVID, which out are bigger than what we are built to have the resources to cope with. That is beyond the scope of what we should be able to manage on our own. You are then allowed to use things like food. But we have tons of people posting pictures of their home workouts and their abs and all these things that just trigger us and shame us and make us have to reflect on how we feel, where we're at, check our bodies at. It's horrible. It's a lot of body checking and rumination. So we have to remember, dieting has a, has a high failure rate. Up to 99% of diets fail. And that's what leads to a lot of the health issues with dieting is the yo-yoing up and down. It's bad for your system. It's bad for your body. The better way to go is learn what we call intuitive eating. And that's really learning how to reset hunger cues and eat when you're hungry and stop when you're full. It takes a long time to really get back to that because we've we've instead focused on serving sizes and counting hours and counting calories and intermittent fasting and all these things that are just really about moving away from the natural cycles of our body. That our bodies aren't attuned to do that and we don't need to do that. We don't need to look a certain way. A lot of the fitness talk or health talk is really about aesthetics and how you look, but health is not tied to how you look. Abs don't speak to a promise health. In fact, a lot of people, what they have to do to get to that place is very mentally unhealthy and physically unhealthy. So I don't support dieting or dieting terms or concepts. Dieting is not without health risks. It has a lot of them. This is not something that's disputable. There's tons of studies showing that. You don't need to get rid of the weight. You need to get rid of the shame around the weight. We all have a right to feel okay about how we are and who we are and how we look. And we have a right to be treated with respect. We don't all need to focus on looking a certain way. So start with that. So diets also set up a really non-sustainable long-term plan for eating. And then that leads to shame when we slip off of that. People will sometimes get on this, this path of movement and exercise, which I am in support of. I am in support of eating nutritious, healthy food to the best of your interest and your ability. I'm all about it. I'm vegan. I eat a fully plant-based diet, organic when possible. I go to the gym. I love the gym. I don't like the toxic parts of the culture at the gym, but I love throwing around heavy weights. It feels good to me. I like moving. It's good for my heart. I have heart attack history in my family. So I'm not opposed to these things, but I am opposed to saying everyone has to. You don't. You don't have to be healthy. You can choose to be unhealthy. Everyone has that choice. I am all about movement, but I want it to be movement that you enjoy, movement that feels good, and movement that maybe you'll keep returning to. Uh, because if we create these long-term plans that aren't necessarily healthy and they're very overwhelming or actually add more stress, because some people, the plan they put themselves on are very stressful, that is going to work against you. Because again, it's that ping pong balling, what they call weight cycling, that's actually worse for you. It's the fluctuations in your body from the chronic dieting. And that has a lot of um, problematic outcomes, at least high blood pressure, chronic inflammation. It's bad for your cardiovascular health. I mean, there's tons of studies surrounding this. And it's part of the health at every size movement, which is a really beautiful place to get a lot of these resources. And that's what I recommend. If you're gonna work with a dietitian, work with a non-diet dietitian. If you're gonna work with a trainer, which is fine if you wanna learn how to use the gym and certain exercises, work with a body positive, um, health at every size, personal trainer. They do exist. It's going to take a little work, but right now a lot of them are online. They have amazing social media pages, tons of books being written about it. This stuff is included in my book, rebel love as well. So focus on things that make sense to you. I want people to be happy. Mental health is about us feeling confident and finding joy in all the different elements of, of our lives. Because the studies show that we'll keep with programs and goals that actually feel good to us. And I don't want people adding stress to an already stressful situation, right? 
because a lot, a lot of these uh, body image struggles are more about your psychology and not your body. You're struggling with your body psychologically based on how you think you need to look versus maybe getting more neutral because that's really what it's about. We use the word body positive still because it's very familiar to us, but it's really about body neutra- neutrality, not caring how your body looks, just going with how do you feel, not checking yourself out in the mirror, not weighing yourself, but saying, how do I feel? Do I feel good in my body? Well, then keep going with what I'm doing. But it's really hard for us to do that because we tend to really align our feelings with how we are looking and if we're aligned with you know, the conformist body that we feel like we need to have. So the battle needs to not be on what they're saying, obesity, which is a very problematic uh, shaming term, but on the stigma that's attached to having a different kind of body, you know? So anyway, uh, next we'll be sliding into the DMs as well as doing question of the night. That is up on our Loveline IG page. It's in the stories, so wait on that. That's up every night. And DMs, DMs are always open. So if you have a question for me, you know it's always confidential and anonymous, but it helps everyone. So we we love doing them on the show. Slide into those DMs, drop your question, and you will hear it right on air. You are listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on Radio.com. All right, we're back. Now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Sliding into the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sexy world and we want you to explore confidence. Here we go. Hey, Dr. Chris, I've got a question. My partner made it clear when we first met that he wanted an open relationship. One year later, I've discovered that I'm not naturally able to cope with that. Well, that's an interesting way to frame it. Uh, we'll get back to that. The jealousy and fear that it brings up is incredibly painful. But again, that's not that's not actually natural. That's a socialized emotion, jealousy. We'll talk about that. I also find myself constantly comparing and despairing. My question is, can I work through this? I love him very much, and I'm trying my best. I've read every book I can find, including your book, Rebel Love, which I love, by the way, and I'm currently in therapy. Do you think there's hope for us? Yes, there's absolutely hope for you. Look, uh, a few things. There is no natural. We are so socialized that there's no element of us that's quote unquote natural. All of our thoughts and feelings are socialized. We've been socialized to only see, believe, and practice monogamy. So uh, anything outside of that is very uncommon, is very not familiar, it spikes anxiety. And uh, if we had role models showing us that, we saw the health of that, we practiced that in high school, seeing multiple people and all that, it'd be a lot easier on us. But it's something that's new. And like we talk about with polyamory and different open styles, what we call designer relationships, tons of books on it, tons of people doing it. It's where we're moving, what we're moving towards as people are more, you know, practicing of hookup culture and delaying monogamy and just trying all different things. So don't get hung up on, I'm not naturally able to cope because that's actually a narrative that keeps you stuck. You're not naturally not able to cope. It just, as you said later in it, it just doesn't feel comfortable to you. And that's okay. Nothing, nothing new does, right? Novel new things often feel very unfamiliar. And Can you work through it? Sure. But there's so many ways you want to go about it. There's so many different ways to do an open relationship. And I want everyone to feel in control. I want everyone to feel safe. I want everyone to feel cared for. And I want you to find fun in it. Otherwise, there's no purpose to doing it because I have to imagine your partner doesn't want you just going along with it for their sake, being unhappy and miserable. And if they are okay with that, then we actually have a bigger problem. So going back to the earlier issue, I hope you're with the right kind of therapist, one that is uh, sex positive. I would actually recommend seeing a certified sex therapist to work through something like this. I would also read a lot of the books. There's amazing books out there. The Ethical Slut is phenomenal. Don't be thrown off by the title. Also opening up by Tristan Terramino, a friend of the show. Also awesome book. And get a little familiar. So that's my first step. Educate yourself a little bit. 
start reading some of the books that really explain how it can work, how to deal with jealousy. Number two, talk about practicing it. What would be an experience that would be inching towards openness that would feel okay to you? Maybe you're comfortable just going to um, an event that's centered around that. Maybe you're comfortable just talking about it. Maybe you're comfortable just going somewhere and, and looking around at who maybe you would be open to having sex with. And that's it. That's as far as you're going. You and your partner just looking out into the world. I mean, there's so many ways to do it. You and your partner can set up a Tinder profile together. See if you match with people. Talk with them slowly. See if you can get familiar and comfortable with them. I never say to just jump into these things. I want everyone to feel in control and taken care of. And so I tell people, set some goals moving towards it. Little incremental goals. Check in on how that felt. You can always go backwards if something didn't feel comfortable. Um, but, but I like the journey that you can go on. It also communicates to your partner that like I'm open to try some new things. So don't back off of something because it doesn't quote unquote feel natural. Don't back off of something because it feels, you know, a little fear-based. Jealousy is something we're socialized into believing. We're, we're, we are socialized to believe that we should have ownership over a partner, that we should be threatened if our partner acknowledges attraction or sexuality towards someone else. And that doesn't necessarily lead to a healthy relationship. And so I'm not saying that open relationships are healthier than monogamous relationships. Neither one is better or worse. It depends on the people within it and how they're running it, right? There's a lot of very unhealthy monogamous relationships. And same thing for ones that are open. Neither is better. But um, you love them very much. And you're in therapy. So yeah, there's hope. Uh, hang in there. See what you're willing to do. Challenge yourself. I'm all about that. But do the, do the reading first. And a lot of people don't, don't want to really do the work, but that's the work. You know, talking about what the rules would have to be for you, talking about what you'd be comfortable doing, talk about self-care after, talk about, you know, the, the ability in the middle of a situation to call it quits if it's not feeling good or right for you and the expectation you'd have on your partner during that. Talk about what you're afraid of. Like, what is the jealousy about? Are you afraid that your partner's gonna leave you for this individual? Are you afraid to see your partner enjoying pleasure with someone else? Is it about, you know, you said the word comparing. Is it about body esteem and that your partner's seeking sex with bodies that aren't relatable or comparable to the body you have? I mean, there's so much that we can learn about ourselves in that. But I would start with the education and I would start by talking through your fears and your concerns, you know? Because monogamy is very difficult, difficult excuse me, over the long haul. You know, um, we can often want some newness and novelty and anything a couple can do together, whether it's hiking, traveling, sex, enjoying new foods can really enhance and strengthen things. So don't think that it's a weakening. It's not a sign that things aren't going well. It's often a beautiful sign when someone wants to experience something with you that it's about them, you know, wanting more closeness and intimacy. So hang in there. Don't panic. You know, I'm all about that stuff. Um, all right, coming up next, we're going to be talking about the power of rest, which is oh so applicable to what I want everyone to be spending their time doing right now. Listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on radio.com. All right, we're back, and now we're going to talk about the power of rest. Why is this important? Well, right now, I have a lot of clients I'm working with via telemedicine and just individuals in my life that are really centering their day around how much work they're doing and how productive they are. That means that they've internalized capitalism. Uh, that's not about mental health, and mental health is what we should center. And mental health is actually these questions. Have you rested today? Have you centered things that provide pleasure and joy? 
Have you connected with other individuals? Have you engaged in activities that have no meaning outside of them other than it's you utilizing the signature strengths? I mean, I ask clients, did you find joy or pleasure today or this week? And often the answer is no, I just worked a lot. That's horrible. That's not why we're here on this planet. That's not why we're in existence. And that's not mental health. Mental health is actually often ignored in service of just participating in work, work, work. I know I had to have a really powerful conversation with myself where I said to myself, if my day is nothing but work, then I'm misusing my day and I'm not taking care of my mental health. My mental health needs to come first. And my days, although I need to work, I have to pay bills and I love my career. So luckily that's in there, but I want to take that part out of it. And I want to imagine I'm in a job that isn't necessarily something I love or brings me pleasure. Your day shouldn't just be work. Your day should be a day where you have be able to answer this question. What self-care have you done today? And what have you done today that brings you joy? And that should be your work. And I want to read you a quote. And I thought this was really beautiful. Today, I canceled most of my meetings. I took a two-hour nap. I laid on the couch for another two hours after that. I ignored my texts and I took hours to respond to people. Today, I chose to be useful to myself by being useless to everyone else. Today, I reminded myself that constantly doing and giving without stopping is a form of trauma because we've internalized the fact that we have to do and give constantly to be enough, but we are enough. Even when we have nothing to offer anyone, we're enough even on our lazy days, we are enough. I love that because we often think our worth is from how much we're producing, how much work we're doing, and it's not. It's in how much you take care of yourself. And the most productive things are often when you turn your phone off. I'm trying to do that more and more. I'm not readily accessible. You can't hear from me within an hour. It's okay for me to take hours to get back to someone. I'm allowed to be focused and immersed in doing other things. I'm allowed to have been napping or taking a bath or watching a movie for a few hours or reading or having sex or cooking or shopping and my phone is off or in the car or left in another room. I don't have to be available on the fly, and that's what technology has taught us, that I should always have my phone on and always be available. That's not healthy, that's not mental health, and my job is to always promote and talk about mental health. Turn your phone off. Don't be, to Train people to know that they can't hear from you except for a few hours because you have other priorities, and that your family time, your social time, your gym time, your shopping time, your food time, whatever it is, that that is the goal. You're present with that and that you don't get to interrupt me. It's even funny. I heard someone telling me a story about how even when they put a reply email thing saying, you know, I'm out of the office or I'm taking today off, people still responded saying really quickly, can I ask you? People still don't know how to honor boundaries. People still think they should be able to access you whenever they want. At dinner time, asking you to do something really quickly. Family members, employers, it doesn't matter. And so I want to encourage you to the best you can to set boundaries, to prioritize family time, friend time. You know, And I know that I'm in a position of privilege where because I am my own boss in everything I do that I'm able to turn my phone off and not be accessible. But I want to inspire you guys to do that to the best that you can within the world that you've constructed. And I want you to be able to answer me if I were to pop into your day and say, what have you done that's self-care today? What have you done that's provided joy? How have you focused on your mental health? Have you taken a break away from your family, from your partner? from your work because we're allowed to go close the door and take a bath and tell everyone, do not interrupt me. We're allowed to go in our bedroom, close the door and put a movie on for a few hours and not be accessible. We're allowed to disappear for the day. We're allowed to take our weekends back and do nothing but, but, but rest 
and find pleasure. And I'm trying to build that in because I've had that trained out of me that my worth is tied to how much I'm producing. Am I writing another book? Am I posting on my social media? Am, am I working on a TV project? Am I writing an article? Right? Am I, how many days this week have I seen clients? You're allowed to build in time away from that. We're so obsessed in our culture with words like balance, but we don't. We work five days or more, and how many days do we have downtime? True balance would be if you worked 30 hours, you found 30 hours off, right? We don't. We over-prioritize productivity, and you're allowed to rest. Rest is healing. Rest is radical. Rest is revolutionary. Rest is mental health. And so I know that some people are saying, great, Dr. Chris, but I'm a mother of three, Maybe you're a single mother of three and my kids are at home going to school and I'm looking out for them and I'm working and I understand that struggle. And so your work is going to say within the context of what I have, what's available to me, how could I maybe build in five minutes, 15 minutes, 30 minutes to myself or even with my family? How can we all collectively take time to rest and heal? Can we all turn our phones off and sit down to eat or cook together? Can we all turn our phones off and go as a family for a walk or watch a movie? All of our phones off. We're not taking emails or phone calls. That is beautiful. And I've been doing that over my weekend. I've been making myself inaccessible for total days, the entire day, sometimes two full days, knowing that the world will be okay when I get back to them, knowing that I don't need to be immediately accessible to anyone. And it's so healing and it reminds me that I matter. And so try to figure out how you can build in rest. Try to figure out how you can answer every day if I asked you, where did you find joy today in self-care? That is the work. That is mental health. That is activism. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back, and it's time for one of my favorite segments, toxic monogamy. Why? Because it's everywhere, and I realize I have to make this at least a weekly segment. Now, again, it doesn't mean that monogamy is toxic. No form of relationship structure or configuration or rules is inherently toxic as long as everyone is choosing what makes sense for them. It's that the ways we tend to run our relationships are toxic, so we toxically run our monogamy. So that's why it's toxic forms of monogamy, and I see it everywhere, and I I shake my head. A lot of it's rooted in sexism. It's very gendered. It's very heterocentric. People that are not heteroidentified usually don't relate to a lot of these things, although homonormativity means eh, they might be gay, but they're basically straight people. It's just there's two dudes or two girls. And that's not necessarily healthy because it's rooted in a lot of problematic traditional forms of like ownership and toxic masculinity where I'm a man. And so I naturally, you don't naturally anything. You know, our gender does not promise anything. Gender is not destiny. It's called biological essentialism. Having a penis and some more testosterone doesn't speak to what kind of behavior you're going to engage in. We all have diverse ways of being, and uh, it gets us really fouled up. And I see it coming into my office. It's, it's a huge part of why a lot of marriages fail and a lot of cheating happens because the relationships just aren't being run very well. Um, and so I'm constantly, inadvertently, inadvertently trying to give you little gems and new perspectives and ways to kind of make things better and a little more functional. So here's a good zinger. This is actually something you might not be shocked about. A man has the right to use or delete his woman's social media accounts. Okay, first off, looking at your partner's social media uh, without their permission, meaning going through their phone, is called emotional abuse. That's you, People get to have boundaries and privacy. 
Sure, you made a commitment to whatever you made a commitment to, and I want people to honor that. But outside of that, you don't have a right to know everything I'm doing or thinking, and nor is that even possible. I'm a lot of boundaries, I'm a lot of privacy. But some couples believe that you have a right to look at and go through your partner's phone, including their social media. I'm so glad that they removed the, do you guys remember this part? Instagram, if you think back, had a time when there was a, a section, kind of like the Explorer section, where you could see everyone who you're following you could see what they're liking and the comments they're leaving on people's pages. Do you know how much crap that led to? We do not have a right to know who we're following, whose pages they're posting on what they're liking. Why? Because it doesn't matter. Just like you, you know, if you're if you're dating me, you don't need to know what music I was listening to today. I don't. I'm not saying I'm going to hide it, but I get to have privacy if I don't want to talk about it. I don't need to share a playlist with you. You don't need to know necessarily outright what food I had for lunch. You don't need to know what pages I was looking at or liking either. We because you trust me and I trust you. And if you don't have trust, as we say all the time, you have bigger issues. If you don't trust me, is it that I'm not worthy of being trusted? If not, get out. If it's that you need to work on trusting, do the work so people don't realize you're toxic and they leave you. But this kind of stuff is a mess, but some people actually run their relationships around this. So I'm not saying this to mock you or shame you. I'm saying this to tell you, step up and do better. Be in relationships worthy of trust and then practice it and give it. You don't need to know what they're listening to, what they're eating. And that, just like that, you don't need to know what they're looking at or what social media pages they're commenting on. Live in a world where we're better, where we trust people, where we're worthy of trust. That's a mess. Because if you get in that kind of level of jealousy and, and ownership and trapped, you suck the life out of it. You suck the fun out of it. You're constantly anxious. You know, when you're policing someone's behavior, that actually maintains anxiety. It never makes you feel at peace because you're always like, well, I have to, we'll see what happens tomorrow. We'll see what about tonight. It's ongoing. It's exhausting. Stop the battle. Put the weapons down. Everything's going to be okay. We're all on the same page. So again, be in relationships worthy of trust and where people trust. That's the goal. That's health, right? I'm telling you, we would have healthier, longer, sustainable relationships if people only dated people or got in relationships with people that were worthy of trust, honestly. And then also if people just let go, let go, let people live their lives and just lovingly, we're happy to be a part of someone's life. Just happy to be there, trying to make people's lives better, not trying to control, not trying to limit someone's behavior around their own anxiety, which is what a lot of people do right? Their, they, their relationship is about not being anxious. It's not rooted in what it's supposed to be in, which is I want to enter someone's life and make it better, make their life better because I'm in it, make their life more expansive, more full of joy. I'm letting them enter mine because I want the same thing. If we operated from that perspective, think of how great everything would be, but that's not how we do it. We instead say, I'm anxious, I'm threatened by everything and everyone, and I'm going to try to control them because I don't want to lose them. That sounds horrible. That leads to a lot of ownership, which leads to a lot of violence. That is, a, that is the perspective, that, that is the foundation that leads to rape culture and domestic violence. That I think I own you, that your job is to keep me happy. That if I say something upset me or let me down, you change your behavior. No, boo, it's okay for your partner or your wife or husband to disappoint you or let you down or to say, I'm sorry, I know you don't like this, but I'm gonna do it anyway. It's a, you're like, make, make someone better because you've been in their life. And I mean that for hooking up and, and random casual dating as well. Don't leave people better off. But my God, if you're in a committed relationship or married to someone, please try to make your goal making their life better because you're in it and vice versa. And if not, sit down and say, what is that about? Are we overly controlling? Is trust not there? Are we running our relationship in very toxic ways? How can we shift this? 
and we're in quarantine. We're so, well, we're supposed to be. Some of y'all aren't, but those of us that are, because we care about the impact we have on other people, and we know that someone's wedding or birthday, they can hang in, and we can push it off to another year, because that's not a reason for people to die or spread, you know, an infection. But nonetheless, now's the time to work on these things. Sit down with your partner. Work on building that intimacy and that transparency. Honey, I, I'm listening to all these things and I have a better understanding of what this relationship should be centered around or rooted in. We both have colluded consciously or unconsciously on really inappropriate or toxic norms or ideals or expectations. How can we work on shifting and changing that? How can we use each other in this relationship to grow up? How can we center love? How can we center actual care? Because if I'm checking your phone and you're policing who my friends are and where I am at all times, that's not care or love. Like hear that, that's not love. Love is rooted in care and compassion, and those words cannot be applied to someone controlling and policing. So check that in yourself, in your relationships. Try to do better for yourself and for others. All right, coming up next, question of the night. So still a little more time to weigh in on that. That's on our Loveline IG page and the stories. And then, of course, we're going to be doing a little DMs. So if you got a question, they're always open. Slide on in there, drop us your question. Anonymous me, confidentially, we'll be answering them. Um, yep, you're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on radio.com. All right, we're back. It's time for question of the night. Tonight's question is about a dad. He wrote in anonymously to Reddit. He explained that he broke up with his girlfriend. He also explained that his daughter, who's 17, is a pretty popular IG star making money on her own, enough to afford college. His girlfriend wants to be an IG model too, but isn't as successful, causing jealousy and tension. This ultimately led to a fight as the dad took the daughter's side in the argument. They broke up, but the dad wants to know, after the daughter told the ex-girlfriend to get a real job. Is fighting over Instagram fame a legitimate fight? Do you have any stories where you fought with a friend or partner over their Instagram fame? Oh, Instagram fame. Our worth and value as a person tied to how many likes we get on our posts. I got trapped in that for a hot minute. We're kind of made to believe you have to. That's your branding. And then I realized, you know what? That takes the fun out of social media. I'm going to post what makes sense to me. And if you're interested, come check it out. And if not, don't, don't comment, don't post, bounce, whatever you need to do. But uh, it's not about the likes. Most of the people who I find the most meaningful or valuable have the smallest followings. That's how culture works. What we prioritize are things that I actually don't find very mentally healthy. What kind of gym body you have, how much money you make, things that aren't meaningful. And so the people that get the most followers are people like the Kardashians that play into that. It's not healthy. It's quite toxic. So the people with the big followings are the ones that are usually participating in problematic cultural norms and values that aren't rooted in mental health. And so the people with smaller followings that are really doing the important, meaningful work have smaller followings because people that really care about working on themselves is a smaller sect of our population. It bums me out. Like I said earlier, I wish people were focused more on their mental health versus their physical health. I wish people would take a day off from the gym and do some therapy, self-reflection, read some self-help books, journaling, whatever the work might be, and focus more on that. Um, so question of the night is, is fighting over Instagram fame a legitimate fight? Do you have any stories where you fought with a friend or partner over their Instagram fame? Everyone wants to be an influencer, which means basically none of us are. All right. Someone said, if it's a source of income, then yes, it's a real job and should be taken seriously. I'm taking the girlfriend side. Yeah, I don't think it's not a real job, quote unquote, but I think what drives it, what it's rooted in can actually be some toxic stuff because it's about giving people what they want and what they want isn't always necessarily tied to what's right or healthy or what's good for you. And I've seen people get really kind of tied up in it in a problematic way. Um, yeah, not really have a great uh, outcome. Someone else said, nah, it's not a legit fight. How can you fight over something that's not real? I appreciate that too. 
Somebody else said, uh, my best friend tries to be an influencer and it's just funny to watch her overthink things. We've gotten into fights because it's annoying how many times she has to do things to get a good shot. Ah, see, there it is. That's what I mean. You change. Well, it actually changes the goal or point of your life. Like if you're out for dinner and you're like, can we just have fun at dinner? And they're like, no, I got to take some time out of this and exhaust ourselves trying to get a good shot of what I'm eating or where I'm at or over concerned with what you're wearing. So I could see where it gets exhausting. It gets in the way. Like, let's just have fun. Let go. Like, let's not care about the posting and all that. And even people that aren't trying to be or aren't influencers or don't have big followings get really hung up in that where again, I think the fun's gone. Social media just used to be a way to share what's going on in our lives, to learn about what's up with others, keep up with them. And now it's about making sure all the pictures look good. Some people curate the templates. So everything has the same color story or, and it's like, Oh my God, it's not really more. We're worried about the posing and the lighting and the editing. And it's like, it just used to be fun. And we just used to post on the fly and it didn't matter how many people liked things. And we didn't have to worry about analytics and the fun was removed. And now I, I think it's kind of lost its way, but yeah, for some people it's a job and a career and yo props, do your thing. But Sometimes, uh, I don't know, I, I, there's a lot of mental health stuff woven in. I, I'll get into it another time. Somebody else said, question of the night is, is fighting over Insta-fame a legitimate fight? Do you have any stories where you fought with a friend or partner over their Insta-fame? Someone said, my best friend tries to be an influencer. Uh, oh no, sorry, someone else said, the daughter needs to get a real job as well. Oof, they can, fl they can flip this off with a simple tap to a keyboard and poof, there she goes. She won't be relevant once her beauty and fame is old. See, that's a good point. You know, the ability to be an ongoing influencer, that's quite fragile and questionable, right? So many things can change that. Um, Instagram analytics, someone younger, someone newer, takes a lot of work. It's not promised. And I agree with you. It, it can really come and go very quickly. That's the thing, right? When our self-esteem or our worth is tied to something that's not really sustainable and is very fragile, that's where my concern comes in, right? Not, not the... Um, not the vehicle that leads to it per se, although sometimes that matters. Again, question night is over Instagram fame. A father, a father and a daughter fought, and uh, <laughs> the father's girlfriend wanted to be one, got in a fight because the daughter is, and uh, what are we weighing in on that? Have you ever gotten one? Someone says, I think anything that generates legitimate income, as in the case of the daughter, is fair. I agree with that. I love the idea that people can work from home. I also like the idea that everyone now is competition. Singers as well. You can create music from home. You can put it up on Spotify and other platforms, and other musicians now have true competition. I'm here for that. Same thing with artists and writers. We now can self-publish, put our work up on our social media. True talent will reign supreme. If you got the goods, you don't got to worry about competition, right? And if you actually back out of trying to be popular and influencer and just do what you love, see where it goes. Someone else said, I just don't know why the dad wants his daughter to be an IG star and gets a girlfriend who also wants to be an IG star. What does he want? Bam. I like it. He's the common denominator. He's, he's the focal point for all this IG-ness. Finally, we'll end on this one. Someone said, what a freaking world we live in. Bam. Ain't that a way to close that out? I know. Crazy times. Technology. Everything becomes a job. Some people are thriving and doing good stuff. Some people's social media is just a great source of community building, education. So I'm here for that. All right, coming up next, slide into those DMs. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on radio.com. All right, we're back. Now it's time for some DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Sliding into DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sexy world. We want you to explore with confidence. Oh, I love this question. This question comes into uh, comes in from one of my favorite listeners. So shout out to you, Steve. Miss you. Hope you're doing well, buddy. This question asks: There's a lot of hair, vitamin, etc., kind of products for men or for women in quotes. 
What's a more inclusive way that these companies could market their product for transgender, intersexed, or non-binary customers? I love this question. I mean, I just love how big your heart must be there even considering this awesome ethics. I want us to all be thinking about these kinds of things. Like what are ways that we can make everything that we're doing more inclusive, right? Like so important. So I think, I think the best answer is just the recognition that there's all different kinds of gender expressions and bodies and that they don't all funder, fall under these two binary terms for men or for women. And that that concept, that there is a distinction, that something needs to be for men or for women and that the products are different when often they're actually the same thing. And it, generally the for women products are actually at a higher price. Um, so I would say the answer is a couple things. Just market the product based on what it is. Don't don't target a gender. It's not for men or for women. It's, you know, whatever it is, it's here's a vitamin, it's vitamin C because all women, quote unquote, whatever that even means, are they cis? Are they trans? Are they gay? Are they straight? What's their height? What's their weight? What we need in terms of everything is going to be different. So let's say we're talking about vitamins. We don't, we can't, all women don't need the same vitamin and all men don't need the same vitamin and the same vitamin that a woman might need might be the same thing a certain kind of man needs and vice versa. So just market vitamins, vitamins for people that are pregnant, vitamin for someone who's not pregnant, vitamin for someone who's high active vitamin for someone who's not you know just market it based on what it really is so get away from terms like for men or for women I'd say get away from color coding boxes where it's blue to target someone or red or pink because um, those colors aren't even really truly gendered colors historically those colors have been flip-flops so uh, and that's a whole nother segment we've talked a little bit about that but get away from color coding where everything for man is blue get away from using that word um, it's just really understanding again that people are diverse in their gender and their body expressions and that this just keeps us all trapped and it makes people feel bad and it makes people feel shamed if they're wanting or needing something that is marketed towards a gender that they're not. And that just doesn't help us. Um, it doesn't really clarify anything. And I want us to be better and beyond that. So, you know, marketing advertising plays an important role in what we think we need, how we think we need to look, who we think we need to be, our self-esteem. And so I want them to start to care. So just generalize that stuff, um, mix everything together. And I love the companies that are starting to do that even with toy aisles. Some of them no longer have a guy or, I'm sorry, a boy or girl's toy aisle. It's just toys. Grab what you want to play with. None of those things are going to reinforce or push you in the direction of a sexuality or a gender, but we think that those things matter. Um, it's really unfortunate. And we push our kids into those routes. We push adults into those routes. Just let people be more neutralized and live their lives. It's just not honest. Uh, here's another question. I just had my second child three months ago and both kids have the same father. Now that I'm getting back on my feet, I'm feeling less and less attracted to my fiance and I'm feeling like I want to be alone. How can I tell him that without hurting his feelings? You can't. There's no simple way to tell someone that you aren't attracted to them without hurting their feelings. So I, I get, I get, I, I, I know I disappoint people when I say that. It's kind of like when someone says, how do I break up with someone without hurting their feelings? You can't, you're hurting, you're doing something that is going to hurt their feelings. You do it anyway. So how do you leave a relationship lovingly? So the question is not really, what do I say? It's how do I do it lovingly? But um, I would say this, right now is not the time to leave a relationship unless it's toxic or abusive. COVID is weaving in a lot of anxiety and depression. So I'm telling people not to take things as, as heavily or seriously. Also, you know, you just had a baby three months ago. It might be about how you feel about your own body or your own sexuality and you're projecting that on them. But um, I would also try to explore diverse kinds of sexuality. Like I have a lot more questions I need to ask about this. I don't, it doesn't feel as black and white to me as, oh, I just woke up, had our kid, no longer attracted, I should get out of this. 
Um, cause for some people, sex isn't such a priority and they stick around in something where the sex isn't as powerful for other reasons. So, um, I don't know, do a little more exploring, but to answer your question, as you posed it, how do I do without hurting their feelings? You don't, you do it anyway, because leaving a relationship or ending one hurts people's feelings. There's no way out of that. There's no magical way to escape. That's just part of it. Sliding the DMS is brought to you by our friends at Trojan condoms. Cause it's a big old sex world. Why do worth confidence? Tomorrow's show, we're going to be talking about ways to be a better ally for those that are non-binary. Yep, National Non-Binary Month. It's important. Got to understand all the gender expressions. Oh, boy. Also going to talk about how to save your sex life. Uh, so join us tomorrow. Um, our show is podcasted. We are channelq.com and radio.com. Thanks for hanging out with me, y'all. And you guys have a beautiful, beautiful night.